I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Welcome to episode two of Snacks with Stein. This is Danielle speaking. Christy, what's up? <laughs> not much. Is, a, is there anything new with you in the last five minutes? Because we're not trying to pretend like we're not recording two episodes at once. Um, what's happening? What's going down? I checked in on a hockey game. There was okay. a score. So something happened. Something happened in five minutes. <laughs> But other than that, is it a good score? Like, I don't know. It's a good score. We're good. We're, we're winning at this moment. So go Yay, us. Hey, local sports team. <laughs> Hooray. Go sports. Go. <laughs> Yay, sports. I'm not a Yay. sports person. I watched lots of sports uh, in high school and I don't, um, I don't pretend to know the rules, but I do enjoy um, a sports gathering because I enjoy... Yes food that comes with the sports gathering (laughs) i am only a hockey person other sports no so it's just hockey and that's the sports part of my brain and everything else is gone what's the appeal of it is it Um, is it like manly men on skates like you know it's changed as i've gotten older like it's always fun you know as a kid it's fun and then and then now it's like there's cute guys so you're like oh cute guys with tattoos who are like beat each other up. I'm into it. I'm into it. There's some <laughs> violence, you know, there's a lot of skill involved. <laughs> so you got violence and skill. That really surprises me just because regionally, um, for those of you who don't know, because we haven't ever freaking said it, um, <laughs> we actually re record our, our podcast long distance. Danielle is in California and I am in Colorado. I just didn't know that hockey had a big following in California, but I don't know that much about it, period. Yeah. The hockey's big here. We have three teams. So, so well, yeah, three teams. And and we have minor leagues that adds on. And Colorado is doing great this year, by the way. So if you want to become a bandwagon fan, this might be your year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Mighty Ducks, and that's as far as I got. <laughs> Quack, Excellent quack, quack. Quack, quack, yes. quack. We have the we have the ducks here. The ducks are here, and they're well. They're in Anaheim, which is Southern California, and I'm in Northern okay. California. But we do have the ducks. So, <laughs> all right, there then. you go. No regional Luna. history. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Okay. The the podcast dog is one of the many podcast dogs. <laughs> That's enough. We love podcast okay. dogs. We do. We do, but they just, they don't care that we're recording. No. Anywho, do we have a uh, Patreon toast this episode? We, we do. We have a Patreon toast. We do this toast for our lovely patrons who support us and our dreams. And this one goes out to the Paranormal Chicks podcast. Oh, Paranormal Chicks, what up? So you should definitely check out and listen to. And so if you are somewhere with a glass, raise it, and this one's for them.
if you girls were a pie, we'd want a slice. Because you understand that tea should always have ice. May your cases be cold, your merchandise be sold, and may you always stay cool like Miami Vice. Cheers! I just want to tell everybody about the snacks that I will be enjoying um, while Danielle tells us her tale tonight. I like to keep it classy over here in Colorado, so I have I have taken some oyster crackers and I have tossed Ooh. them lightly in ranch dressing. <laughs> wow. From a juice glass with a spoon. <laughs> I love it. There's something just really like kind of dirty, decadent <laughs> about things that are tossed in ranch dressing that shouldn't be. And that's that's where I'm at in my life. That's where we get those thrills today. So that's what I'm having. I'm having that alongside a bourbon. Uh, I know. It's I'm I swear to God, I'm not a 50-year-old alcoholic. Like I do actually enjoy bourbon. I actually enjoy the taste. It didn't evolve from a lifetime of hard drinking. Um <laughs> So stupid. My husband and I started watching Vampire Diaries and they're constantly Uh drinking bourbon. We were like, we should just try that. Like, they're just drinking it. Like, I wonder if we could just drink it. We're big kids. Like, we could. So, yeah, we just wanted to do it. Like, just try it. (laughs) It turns out we actually do like bourbon and we do like it neat. So, I'm sorry. Well, fun fact about ranch dressing is that it is now the top selling condiment. It out it outsells ketchup now. I don't know if that's across like the country, but in California, ranch is like the number one thing. It's like if you don't have ranch, you're gonna go out of business in California. It's ranch and avocados out here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you don't have those, you're done for. So you're on the you're on the right track with the ranch. I think it's also a southern thing as well, because you dip mm-hmm. literally everything in ranch. It's true. Yeah, we didn't invent ranch. It's just all of a sudden like California is means ranch. <laughs> okay, that's where the Hidden Valley is. Who knows what's in the ranch in the Hidden Valley? <laughs> <laughs> it's people. <laughs> yes, it's people. I think it's time for this book. Let's do it. I'm excited. So this book is called The 12 Screams of Christmas. So we're getting into the holiday season. Do you have any special traditions that you have to do every year? Uh, <laughs> do you know, <laughs> when we were growing up, like, I have I have four siblings. For some reason, like, you know how there was always those things that you thought everybody did when you were a kid? And then you got a little mm-hmm. bit older and started talking to other people. And turns out, not everybody does that. <laughs> so, So one of our Christmas traditions from when I was a kid, that's, so we would go to midnight mass uh, Mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve and then we would come home and then we would be like sequestered to our rooms, like get a snack, get a drink, go to your room. You are not to come out of your room for any reason. Mm -hmm. My dad, who was in Nam, and I'm not sure if alcohol was involved or not, but the minute we got into our rooms, he started to booby trap the hallway on our side of the house and it was fishing line tied to pots and pans 
That would be then like set up on chairs or like on shelves or whatever. And he wouldn't just put the trip wires like at your feet. Like you you could snag them across the chest. One year he put Vaseline on all the light switches. Oh um, my God. Yeah. So so and then and then he would shut off the power to our side of the house <laughs> so that we couldn't turn the lights on and see where the trip wires were. Oh and yeah. The idea was that we didn't get up early and get into the presence without right. them knowing. So my dad tells it now, and he's like, you know, right around 4 a.m., we'd hear like, click, 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 click. <laughs> and it was like my brothers, and in their mind, for some reason, they thought they could like play it off, right? <laughs> so, so like they would, they would set off the trap. And then they would doo, 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 run back to their room real quick and like get under the covers and like pretend <laughs> to be asleep. <laughs> and my and dad dad says that they had the best time because they would go to like you know check on us and they'd be under the covers just like because uh, uh, like winded from running back to, like, trying to pretend to be asleep. But yeah, That's turns great. out not everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, in the age of YouTube, that's something people should do now because it would be really funny to see that happen. <laughs> like, what well, I think my brothers on? and sisters still do that with their kids, really? but I didn't do that with my kids. <laughs> I think my kids would just cry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I chose this particular book because it's the most wonderful time of the year and I will take any opportunity to make a holiday spooky. And I think Christmas is pretty spooky or, you know, if you look back at old some traditions around Christmas, there are some creepy ones out there, like especially Scandinavia and that kind of stuff. They have a lot of creepy shit, like Krampus is pretty creepy. You have the Yule cat who's pretty creepy and the Mm -hmm. Yule goat who's also pretty creepy. So this one is actually a newer one and was published in 2014. I had never read it before. And I didn't even know that they were still making them in in 2014. So it retailed for $7.99 because it is a most wanted mega edition. So (laughs) that just means it's really long. So sorry about that. I picked picked a good one. (laughs) The front of our book has a creepy but festive house, which has some snow and Christmas lights. And what looks to be a ghost, I think it's a man or a really ugly woman, can't, I can't decide right now. (laughs) And (laughs) they're in the front and center looking their best in a Santa hat. So they're staying festive and they're glowing an ominous green, which is also a scary thing or a jolly thing. Not, not sure. We're going, I'm going with jolly right now. Unlike Christie's Fear Street books, a lot of times the Goosebumps taglines are actually on the back of the book before the description. And this one reads, Ho, Ho, Horror. (laughs) All right, so let's settle in here with our ranch dressing and (laughs) start this story. We start off this one with a prologue and it begins in the year 1882. So we're going way back. 
I think it's generally spookier in the 1800s, so probably a good place to start. We meet our narrator, Abe Marcus, his twin brother, and little sister, Flora. The trio are playing a game of keep away with Flora's red hat. This hat is very important to her, and she never takes it off. We learn that the Marcus family is moving into a new house. It's two stories with an attic and all other sorts of fancy pants amenities. They mention a few times that the house also has a large backyard with a well. Did you see the ring, Christy? I did. Actually, I saw it in theaters. What did the ring teach us about wells? Um, that adopted kids are evil. Yep. And also, stay away from wells. Just stay away. Something's going to crawl out yeah. of there. Just mm-hmm. don't even go there. Don't go. Who needs a well? I mean, come on. I mean, it is the 1800s, so it probably is their Shh. own water source. But <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, you have three little kids. Just stay away from the well. That's the lesson here. Right. The chapter closes with the two brothers off to explore the new home. A.K.A. get into trouble. A.K.A. fuck shit up. The boys are playing in the yard and they come across a shack. Do shacks ever lead to good things? Nope. Nope. Not once. Never. (laughs) As one might guess, the rumor around town is that the shack is haunted. So our darling Ned makes a beeline to, quote, chase out the ghosts. Abe is more hesitant, but they enter and it reeks of death. Suddenly, Abe hears a voice. Welcome. Welcome to your doom. Welcome to your doom, Abe. Frightened and searching for the sound, Abe peers into a dark, open closet. It's fucking Ned. Up to his old shit. Ned and Abe continue to explore the little shack, and they hear a low hum or buzzing sound. Do you have any guesses what it is? Um... It's a low hum or a buzzing sound. We're an mm-hmm. old-timey shack. Mm-hmm. It's no, a bee. It's a bee. It's a what? It's a bee. Yeah, wasps. Not bees. Wasps. They run out, but the swarm follows and attacks them. Abe helps nav- Ned navigate the swarm, and they lock themselves inside a garden shed. They exit and begin dancing and playing on a low stone wall that lines their yard. Suddenly, Flora's voice can be heard in the background. I can dance too! And the boys look on in horror. What do you think happens next? Mm, She falls off the wall. She screams and drops into the fucking well. (coughs) What did we say about the well? What did I say? Well, and she's fucked because, you know, medicine is not a thing. Exactly. So the last sound they hear is an ominous splash. All we see is her red hat and she's screaming, get me out. By now, Ma and Pa have joined them. Ma is panicked, but suggests using the bucket to pull her up. Pa lowers the bucket and Flora starts to grab on. She's halfway up and then a loud snap. Back down the well goes Flora. They have no (laughs) longer. 
They have no long rope. And the closest person is a carriage right away. Damn 1800s. We're left but, uh, She's her. not broken her neck, like, at this nope. point? Like, she's successfully made it straight down a well twice. Straight down. Straight down. Okay, just, just making sure I'm on there. <laughs> right, okay. Yep, she just goes straight down into some murky, probably diseased water. <laughs> it's fine. It's and fine. She's, she's down there, yeah. So she's just continuing to scream, get me out, get me out. And this is where our prologue ends. All right. Now we're getting in a time machine. So buckle up. <laughs> and we're back in 2014. Woohoo! But we don't know what happens to Flora. Maybe Flora's our cover ghost. Maybe not. We meet our new narrator, Kate Wells. She's 12, a little angsty, and has a frenemy. Do you have any frenemies? in your life not anymore i'm a big kid now <laughs> i can tell people to go fuck themselves nice <laughs> i don't know when that changeover happened but like i definitely used to have some and then i was like i need friends friends are important and now i'm like ooh, i don't really want to leave my house <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> and so her frenemy's name is courtney smith and this little bee has made kate late to rehearse for a role in the Christmas play. She starts her long walk home in the snow and decides to take the shortcut. Where do you think the shortcut is through? The shack. Even better, it's a cemetery. Kate alludes to having a bad experience here, so she tries to rush through and then it gets quiet. There's no wind, no snow, just breathing. Then all of a sudden, low moans, whispers, and raspy voices. <laughs> Somebody's hooking up. Just move on. Yeah. Like... Move on. Keep going. <laughs> Kate sees dead people. The graveyard is filled with ghosts of children and adults. And this is not the first time. Courtney has even taken to calling her Ghost Girl. Unlike me and other spooky bitches I know, Kate wants to ignore this gift, but it seems like this time she can't. Frozen in fear, a tall male ghost starts to approach her and she can't move. A bony finger reaches out and touches her cheek. Personal space, cheek. <laughs> she screams, and then a new, not dead, voice is heard. It's her friend, Jack. She describes his blue eyes as glowing. I think this is a crush. What do you think? I was always a sucker for some blue eyes, and I've certainly <laughs> never described them as glowing before. Um, there's something something about a cute kid that age with some bright blue eyes that was just all-consuming. Yes. So it turns out that Jack doesn't believe in ghosts. So she fails to mention why he found her screaming in the middle of the cemetery. They leave and Kate tells Jack that she has to beat Courtney out of this part in the play. We are now at Kate's den, which is her favorite room in her house. And she and Jack are rehearsing for the play, which is called The Twelve Screams of Christmas. 
it is a school play. It is actually a musical. We learn later on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think she said she is in the sixth grade. So she's in like middle school. Yeah, a middle school. It tells the story of a family spending the night in a haunted house on Christmas Eve. And the spirit is determined to keep that family forever. So I'm liking this music teacher so far. He's weird. I'm liking him. Kate's mom has been watching them practice. And she's concerned that this is too much for Kate and her, quote, thing about ghosts. Nobody believes that Kate can see ghosts. Nobody. Parents, friends. She's alone in this world. So Kate tries to turn the subject away from her gift. And the piano starts playing on its own. And once again, she's screaming. This girl screams a lot. It is mom's annoying ass ringtone. I guess being on permanent silent wasn't a thing yet in 2014. Jack asks why she didn't invite Courtney to rehearse and starts to pry about why they became frenemies. It's been building up, but Courtney won't forgive her for causing their team to lose a gymnastics meet. Kate starts to wonder, does Jack like Courtney? A love triangle. It is a love triangle. And part of me, I'm like, like, do you watch Dead Files? I have. I have before. I'm imagining just like a tiny Amy Allen. <laughs> just really struggling with gymnastics and Courtney. Jack wants to practice their screams for the play. Great. More screaming. So Kate goes first. (laughs) Kate decides to go first. And out of nowhere, a ghostly figure of a girl appears. She's floating between them. And it looks like Jack can see her. Do you think it's a ghost? Mm, Not if Jack can see her. Mm. It's not. It's Courtney. She shows up in full costume, thinking she's got the part in the bag. What a little bitch. Kate is furious, of course, and vows to do anything, anything to get this part. So we meet Mr. Piccolo, who is their music teacher. Yes. (laughs) And he asks the group if they'd like to hear a real ghost story. This auditorium is haunted, haunted by the spirit of a sickly boy named Cliff. Cliff just wanted to be in the play. It was his dream. But doctors and parents all said no. But of course he defies them, gets the part, and wows everyone with his performance. But after the play, Cliff is nowhere to be found. So they call his house, and his mom is in tears and tells them that Cliff died one day ago. Very distracted by Mr. Piccolo. (laughs) That would be a fantastic, like, male strip name. (laughs) Welcoming to the stage, it's Mr. Piccolo. Maybe that's his nighttime. I mean, it's a side career because teaching Sorry. doesn't pay very much. So. Could it doesn't. Money. No, he, he works hard for the money. As Kate turns to look at the back of the auditorium at the empty seat that they always leave open for Cliff, 
very Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. She sees something. She sees maybe a face. And so she calls out, Cliff, is that you? No, it's me, Paco. God damn it, it's the lighting guy. Kate just wants to die, hide, fall off the stage, be anywhere but here. She fell for it, and the auditorium is filled with laughter. Speaking of falling, Mr. P falls for Courtney's trick and chooses her to audition first. Kate just tries to suck it up. It's just another win for that bitch, Courtney. Mr. P informs the students that the trap door on the stage has been opening and closing on its own and to stay away. Trap door. Foreshadowing the foreskin. Yes. (laughs) He decides to ask Kate to go and get his clipboard from his office because he forgot it there. And she's more than happy to miss Courtney's stupid ass audition anyway. So is Courtney good? Or is she just a bitch? Like, is she... I think she thinks she's good. She's one of those that's like, I'm so great. I can sing and I can do, you know, but. She's a triple threat. She's a triple threat. I think she's one of those that like wanted to be on American Idol and didn't make it kind of people. That's my impression. But the producers are standing behind her going, no, go ahead. No, you're great. No, (laughs) sing sing out. Sing out. (laughs) Sing out, Louise. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Smile, baby. You thought I wasn't going to pick that up, but I did. <laughs> I hoped you did. It's it's, it's a, I, I trust people who know their musicals. So she's off to get the clipboard. The school is locked down because they're the only ones there. The lights are off and the air just feels heavy. I guess they have a heating and cooling issue. So you get this moisture at their school. It's kind of gross. Ew. So <laughs> one, yeah, ew probably some mold i don't know (laughs) and once she gets to the office she grabs the clipboard but she sees a piece of paper on his desk and it catches her eye it's a list of names so she starts to think did mr p already cast this play so she starts kind of digging around but then out of nowhere notices the office door is closed she didn't close it was it wind But then she realizes it's locked. Somebody or something locked her in. Don't know who it is. It's Paco. It's always Paco. (laughs) Always blame poor Paco. (laughs) So Kate is just pounding at the door, yelling for anybody, but the school's deserted. She notices she might be able to push open a window, but that won't budge. Someone's going to have to notice she never came back with this clipboard, right? But 15 minutes goes by. Then the knob starts to jiggle. She's yelling, get the key, it's locked. But the door swings open. Who's there? (sighs) Jack. Good guess. It's Jack to the rescue. But he's really surprised to still see that she's there because Courtney told everybody she left and went home sick. (laughs) As one would, she sees red, just burning hot red. 
Jack tells her that she missed her audition, so Kate takes off, just storming down the hall. She's going to kill Courtney. She can't get away with it. This is the last straw. We're over this bitch. We're done. We're going to meet by the flagpole. We're going to work this out. (laughs) We're going to work this out. So Jack tries to get her to slow down and calm down, but there's no way in hell. She's woman on a mission. Courtney is on the stage rehearsing with the others. So Kate races up those steps, gets in her face, and catfight. Kate takes down Courtney. Her anger is fueling this burst of strength. They roll around the stage, and Kate misses that the trap door is open. Until it is too late. The girls fall in, and everything is black. They both fell in the trap door? Yep, because they're rolling around. They're on top of each other. Old-fashioned cat fight. So they just roll right in there. Love it. Have you ever been in a fight ever? No. No, Never. I haven't. I had a lot of girls like <laughs> want to fight me um, because I was real tall, I, mm. I'm assuming. Or maybe I was just a maybe I was just a bitch and they just wanted to fight me. <laughs> but um I I've been five ten since in the seventh grade. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. So I had, like, a lot of, like, people, like, threaten and, like, Mm -hmm. go through other people and be like, so-and-so is going to want to kick your ass. Okay. (laughs) Like, I didn't – I was pretty awkward. I wasn't sure what to do with that. So I wouldn't wouldn't even begin to know. I saw a couple fights, but I was never in one. Yeah. Me either. I had a couple, like, pushing fights. Like, people pushed me, and then I was like, I'm not doing this. This is stupid. But I never, like – did this like I was like crazy but I saw some definitely definitely saw some there were like so, five or six girls that like that that was their thing like that's yeah. what they did like they every time you turned around I was like what are you doing like what are you- in every <laughs> school there's those five or, yeah there's those five or six there's a group of girls that's what they want to do in every school they're just gonna fight everybody for like no reason <laughs> no zero reason. reasons yep yep it's Wednesday so doing this yeah whatever (laughs) so they fall down blackness and they're both in extreme pain because they fell some unknown amount of feet they think into the basement like that's usually under the stage at most schools you know right kate asks courtney where they are and so she confirms it's probably the basement she gets up and kate tries to reach out a hand for help up But to be expected, she gets dissed and Courtney takes off walking. Kate tries to ask her to wait up, but Courtney seems to disappear into some kind of fog. Kate starts using the wall to guide herself out, and she realizes she's not alone. But it's not Courtney. Someone stands up in the middle of the hall. It's Paco! Told you! You were right! Kate walks toward him and sees that he's floating above the floor. He is a ghost. He reaches out and grabs her hand, and she can't break free. How the hell is Paco a ghost? Where the hell is Courtney? And why did no one rescue them? Paco finally lets go, and they're suddenly in a room full of ghosts. The same ghost from the cemetery earlier that day. They have, quote, been disturbed by Kate, and she has to sing for them to escape. 
any guesses what she has to sing? It's the Mariah Carey version of uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. And if she fucks it up even a little bit, they're going to drag her to hell. I like this. I like your version better. I like that. (laughs) It is not Mariah Carey. It is the 12 screams of Christmas. She tries to sing. (laughs) She tries to sing, but nothing comes out. She has no voice. And all of a sudden, there's no more voices. And everything goes silent. She opens her eyes and it's Mr. Piccolo? Still no voice. She's just in shock, I think. Mr. P tells her that she took a bad fall and has been out cold. So she looks around and she sees the other students, including a very much alive Paco. Fuck this guy. Is he alive? Is he dead? We see Paco and Courtney, who is perfectly fine because she landed on Kate. so they all leave the basement and go back to the stage and the fight costs them both roles in the play and they're stuck in the chorus rehearsal is over and as soon as courtney sees jack she develops a limp what a little liar (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry it's great It's good. It's been an all-around bad day. All Kate wants to do is not be Ghost Girl and for Courtney to to just fuck off. But it seems that much more ghostly problems await. Got it. So Courtney's got it coming. And Jack is maybe not alive i'm guessing because it's like a casper type situation that's maybe. happening right now mm-hmm. devin sawa's penetrating <laughs> blue eyes like a siberian husky um okay i, like I, I think i'm good proceed okay. proceed we change scenery once again and mr p is taking the students to a creepy house for their next rehearsal all in all, this is a great idea. It's right across the street from a graveyard. Even better. The kids are traveling by bus, and Courtney made sure she was sitting with Jack and also making sure that Kate notices their non-stop flirting. They finally reach this house, and as if on cue, the sun disappears behind a cloud. And the house is covered in darkness. It's colder inside than outside. And just about everything is falling apart. So I have a question. Who the hell okayed this trip to this like falling apart house? (laughs) And what the hell for, man? Like, are you going to have the play there? Like, is there a reason that we need to rehearse in a place that is other than the place where we're going to actually put the play? Like he wants to go here and get them in the spirit of like spookiness. Oh, okay. You know? So we're meth- again, we're method acting right now. In sixth grade, yes, we're method. Sixth grade. Did Did you ever hear that story about um? Oh, Dustin Hoffman and Lawrence Olivier when they were filming The Fugitive. No, it's Dustin Hoffman, right? I don't. I'm pretty know. sure it's well, Dustin Hoffman. 
So, so they're filming the fugitive and like Dustin Hoffman is this like hardcore method actor and he is stayed up for days. He's not eaten on purpose. Like he's had people like outside the studio when they were having cigarettes, he's had them like blow the smoke in his face so that his eyes are red and bloodshot. And he's like, for this part, he's just like deconstructed himself so he can be this like man on the run. And they get to the set and they're about to do a scene. And Dustin Hoffman looks like shit. And Lawrence <laughs> Olivier turns to him and he says, my dear boy, why don't you just try acting? <laughs> That's a good story. I like that. I hope he took it to, to a hard story. No, he didn't. He's fucking Dustin Hoffman. He did whatever he wanted. <laughs> Sorry, tangent over. So we're in a very inappropriate setting for yeah. no apparent reason. Go. No, yeah. Just to get method. It seems like Mr. P is really familiar with the place, like he's been there before. Also weird. So we have three girls now, Courtney, Kate, and their friend, Carol Ann, who are sharing a room. And in typical bitch fashion... Courtney makes sure to take the cot farthest from the window. Is this an overnighter? Yes, it's an overnighter. So we're going <laughs> on an unnecessary overnighter <laughs> to rehearse a play. <laughs> Got it. Okay, go. <laughs> Kate and Carol Ann go off and explore the backyard. We're back at this situation with the dumbass well. And what does Kate want to do? She's drawn to it. For some unknown reason. So she heads over and peers over the ledge because something inside of her is saying she has to see the bottom of this thing. But it's too late. The stone wall gives, and Kate goes head first down the well. She's falling and falling, but somehow in midair, midair, does a gymnastics trick and hoists herself out. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot explain how, but she gets out. So she can't win the contest, but in a pinch, Mm -hmm. she can levitate. Okay, got it. Cool. Carol Ann runs over to check on her, and Mr. P decides that right now is the time to warn the kids about the well. This guy is just great for timing. Everyone is quote unquote safe inside the house, and Mr. P tells the history of it and how it inspired his play. It's the tragic story of Flora from our prologue. She was never saved from the well. And now the family haunts the house only at Christmas time, hoping someone will bring her back. And Mr. P has another secret that Ma and Pa Marcus are his great, 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 great grandparents. So it's a twist. It's a twist. It's the M. Night Shyamalan twist. Just kidding. <laughs> they start, all the kids, of course, take the time to crack jokes about ghosts. And Ghost Girl, Courtney making the most of those jokes at Kate's expense. And Mr. P insists he didn't bring them to a dangerous place. 
And even he doesn't believe in ghosts. So they have to start rehearsing and he wants them off book by the end of this weekend. So pressure's on. They break off into the little groups and Kate joins the rest of the chorus in the singing of the 12 Screams of Christmas. And as they sing, Kate notices something on a staircase. It's the ghosts of two little boys. The two boys from Mr. P's story, Abe and Ned Marcus. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so she's trying her best to say nothing and definitely not start screaming, which is, we know, really hard for Kate. because Really? She she's going to show <laughs> restraint now. Yep. Okay. Now's the time. Not this time. Not this time. <laughs> not today, Satan. Not We're today. We're not screaming this time. Got it. Okay. So even though she's not screaming, she has to stop singing. So Mr. P asks if she's okay, and she comes up with something on the fly. Anything but ghosts. It's time to practice other scenes, and the chorus can break off because they're not singing anymore. So she finds herself face to face with the ghost boys and she decides to say hey they say nothing <laughs> just some blank stares back then out of nowhere we'll be back flora kate is rattled but is trying to get some sleep in her room she wants to tell carol ann about the ghosts but not with courtney around she doesn't know what to do, so she decides against it and just decides to keep it to herself. But she can't sleep because who the fuck can sleep in a haunted house? Not right. me. <laughs> but the other two girls passed out. So she's staring out the window into the garden, and she starts to feel that same pool to the well that she felt earlier. Something just keeps calling her to it. And she hears a soft, very clear whisper. Please help me. She jumps up and into her jeans and she takes off into the darkness. Would you follow a ghost voice if a ghost voice just talked to you? Would you decide? Fuck no. <laughs> Don't fuck with my sleep. I feel the same way. So she's off in the darkness. And she keeps hearing this faint voice whispering help me help me and it just sends her into a panic and this voice is coming from the damn well she's not sure if it's a joke if it's courtney playing a trick on her and it just continues to cry help me help me silence falls over the yard and like by force kate starts peering down the well again a sliver of moonlight breaks up the blackness of the water in the well, and she hears a splash at the bottom and calls to it. But, of course, nobody replies. She stands up to leave, mm -hmm. but then a flash of color appears out of the blackness. What do you think it is? Any guesses? Mm, somebody's out there with her. Mm -hmm. Is it a ghost? It's it Paco. Ghost? It's always Paco. <laughs> All right, we're back to Paco again. It's definitely him. I don't even know if Paco's on this trip. He has to be, but... <laughs> He's the lighting guy. Well, I mean, it would make all the sense, because all the sense is being made 
Right. All yeah, no, for the, for the field trip for, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All this of is it. the most sensical book I Continue. have ever read. All right. So something is floating in the water and it's a red hat. Kate starts to run, but a hand grabs her and holds her in place. It's the black eyes of the ghost boys staring back at her. Come with us, one of them says. Come home with us. She asks who they are, and they explain they're Abe and Ned Marcus. They want her to come home for Christmas and be their sister, Flora. She tries to tell them that she's not fucking Flora, but they insist she comes home for Christmas, pulling her toward the house and toward the kitchen door. All of a sudden, a light bulb goes off. To stay forever, she has to become a ghost. To be a ghost, she has to die. Abe and Ned assure her that it won't take long. Guess what saves her again? Gymnastics! Kate does a backflip. She does a backflip to escape, and she takes off running. In my mind, it's like it's like from nowhere the music cues, and it's like a jaunty floor, like. And like flip, 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 flip. shimmy 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 fuck off you ghost shimmy 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 flip, 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 flip. That's and a perfect that. like nod to the judges on the left nod mm-hmm. to the judges on the right and sorry i just love that gymnastics is her superpower mm-hmm. yes so she does a backflip and takes off running they catch up to her of course and take her down but in the nick of time mr p appears and he doesn't see the ghosts, just Kate being crazy. The boys vanish. <laughs> Slipping out in the middle of the night for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, the, the boys vanish. <laughs> Sorry. And she goes inside with Mr. P after giving some excuse for why she was outside. <laughs> Doing backflips. <laughs> she wants to tell him what happened that they're all in danger so kate closes her eyes and starts to recount the events but by the time she opens them mr p's gone he just bailed (laughs) he bailed on her in the kitchen he's just gone he's like bye (laughs) the next morning they're all back to rehearsing and kate of course had a long night and no sleep And Courtney is just relentless with her jokes at breakfast. And as they practice, the stupid little boys appear again, beckoning for Kate. And this time, she can't hold it in, and she yells for everyone to look, and they just laugh. The laughter and Courtney's jokes are too much this time, and she takes off running toward the staircase, toward the ghosts. But in her rage, she misses a bookshelf that's sticking out from the wall and rams her head straight into it. (laughs) Have you ever ran into anything in the wall, like a bookcase and like that? It hurts. It's bad. Oh, all the damn time. Yeah. No, I don't. It's usually um, when like a lots of people are watching. I ran into the sliding glass door once. It was so painful. (laughs) Oh, She's running, she hits this bookshelf, 
and just smacks her head into it. Pain's going through, goes through her whole body. And then once again, it's black. It seems like she's out, but only for a few minutes. And the others are can still laughing. Can check her for a concussion? <laughs> like she's doing flips in the middle of the night. She's had at least two head injuries that we're aware of. Right? It's like, two. Can we just like keep her awake, baby? And yeah. like, I don't know. She shouldn't even been sleeping, right. first of all. I'm, con- so, I'm concerned. Me too. She was out, but only for a few minutes or so she thinks. Because the others are still laughing. So they probably didn't see her fall because no one came to help. She heads up the stairs to go to her room, but decides instead to get her shit together, regroup, and join the others. They're not going to win. She's not going to let them bully her out of this experience. She starts to think she can use this gift to help people, maybe protect them, maybe help these kids figure out this house is fucking haunted. Who knows? So she starts to use the wall for support as going back to downstairs. Then she starts to hear two distant voices coming from an attic. And against her better judgment and the rules of all horror movies, she heads up the stairs and calls out, Hello? <laughs> K Lydia. K Lydia Deets. Let's not. Let's not do this right now. This staircase, like the rest of the house, is on the verge of collapse, but she presses on. As she climbs up, she sees a roaring fireplace and a very ugly Christmas tree, probably like Charlie Brown status. The two boys are laying on the floor and playing a game. And then there are two adult ghosts, a man and a woman. And the woman says, welcome home, Flora. The ghosts exist in this attic and they're unable to leave since losing their daughter. Kate is going to take her place and celebrate Christmas. The woman leans over to hug Kate, suffocating her with the stench of old, rotting clothes. It's like that goodwill smell. Yes. Yes. So the man who turns is the father, we assume, rises from his chair and he's holding a knife. Just casually holding a knife. Like you do. Yeah, like it's, you do. it's old timing. You just hold oh, that yeah. knife. Hold that knife. He says, it's time to carve the bird. But there's no bird. There's no turkey. There's nothing. So Kate looks for the steps to leave or run away. But they've disappeared. Solid plaster and no other way out. She is now trapped with this ghost family. The woman, who is the mother, is ready to celebrate and wants the children to sit on Father Christmas's lap. I don't think so. (laughs) So Kate is convinced she is unconscious still. She's out. This is a dream. This isn't happening. So she closes her eyes, grits her teeth, and tries to wake herself up. Think it works? Is she dreaming? Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's got a damn head injury. She could be in the hospital (laughs) for all we know. Right? She could be in a coma. We don't know. We don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't work. We learn that the mom's name is Peg, and she wants Kate to sing a Christmas song. And Kate chooses one from the play, and it doesn't go very well. Because ghosts don't want to hear a song about ghosts. They want festive cheer. So, of course, Peg starts to cry 
but she tries to move on to the next activity. Sitting with Father Christmas! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make noises. <laughs> Kate, also known as Flora, <laughs> gets to go first. Yay again! Aaron, <laughs> who is the father, comes out with a high back chair. Sitting in it is something wearing a Santa suit and a hat, but Kate can't see its face. She notices its eyes move, but it's not the eyes. It's something inside them. What do you think is in there? Oh, cockroaches. <laughs> it's gotta be cockroaches. Radioactive cockroaches. That's what I'm going with. Radioactive cockroaches. Yes. No is worms. Brown bat. Yeah. <laughs> they push Kate forward and she stumbles, landing face first into the lap of Father Christmas. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Kid, <laughs> we're now in a whole new book. <laughs> <laughs> she's face first into this just gross disgusting smell of whatever is in this chair and it turns out Father Christmas is a skeleton so she tries to pull herself up and in doing so one of his arms cracks off just clean <laughs> off <laughs> goodbye arm goodbye <laughs> That's your weapon. That's Yeah, right? I would take that arm and start flailing it around. Just saying, if Pa comes near me with a knife, now you've got a weapon. Weapon. Got Good off. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so she feels strong hands pull her up onto her feet. And the family is, of course, very, very, very angry. Aaron pushes Father Christmas back into the closet where he came from. <laughs> and, and I guess now it's time to eat. What we're eating? <laughs> we don't know. So they take their place at the dining room table that's in the attic with them. And Aaron once again has his carving knife. Peg brings out the bird. It's a turkey skeleton. All bones. <sighs> No meat. <laughs> I told you we put it in too early. We did. All I can picture in my mind at this part is the scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like when she's at the house with yeah. the family and like there's this yeah. nasty shit everywhere and the dead guy. Like that's all I'm picturing is that. Uh, I thought of the, uh, oh, what's the... Lord, it's the classic one where um, oh, it's a little, it's a boy and a girl and they grow up together and like the ladies, Mrs. Oh, Lord. She like, she loses her husband. And so she like never takes off her wedding dress and she lets like their wedding feast and the cake like rot on the table for years. Oh God, what is that? I uh, totally what is it called? It. Oh, Ugh. It's going to come to me, and then I'm going to be really pissed. Mm -hmm. So this is an excellent opportunity. Um, if you're liking the Facebook page, right now is a real good time for you to jump on and let me know what book I'm talking about, because it's that's yeah. what it is. That's what I, I'm, my, it's where my mind went. 
to the rotting yeah. like I can picture it too and I can't think of it either but I totally can see it I totally see it Kate of course doesn't know what the fuck to do so she starts looking into the bowls that are on the table one has a large ball of dust inside another bowl appears and inside of it any guesses Mm, peeled grapes and you put your hand in and they're like it's eyeballs <laughs> alright right? I remember that I did. we did that once at a Halloween party it was fun she looks in this bowl and she has to keep from puking it's full of mouse heads that is so metal so metal the little beady eyes just stare back at her and she's just holding that puke in just like can't do it. Can't do it. Then out of nowhere, Peg says, taste it! Taste it! And pushes a spoon of mouse heads towards Kate's mouth. Taste it! I feel like Stein's gotten a little darker over the years. I don't ever remember. Like, this feels like, this has the vein of, like, something that could actually be kind of a terrifying, like, mindfuck of a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, when we used to read them, it was like, ooh, a creepy thing is coming up the stairs. <laughs> and now we've got all of mice heads. Yeah. This, okay. is, it was, it was, this part of the book got crazy for me. I was like, is this really happening? What is this? So Well, it's, it's been pretty ridiculous up until now. And now I'm kind of yeah. like, ooh, I'm going to be a little disturbed right now. Yeah. Kate throws her hands up and knocks the spoon away. She's just insisting they let her go because she has to get back to the other. She doesn't want to be here anymore. She's not Flora. She's fucking done. And Peg, of course, is just struggling to hide her anger because in her mind, Kate knocked away her precious Christmas meal. So she's just raging and doesn't know what to do. She's crying, holding back to the tears, and then she says, it's time for presents. If you're not hungry, we're going to open presents. And she returns with a gift for Aaron and asks what Kate has brought for them. Kate has no gifts and the boys fly into a rage. You ruined Christmas. You ruined our holiday and you must be punished. The family no longer look human, but like snarling red monsters. And they lift Kate off the floor drag her across the attic and to the open window. They're <laughs> chanting, punished, 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 and they throw her out of the window. Kate is falling through the air and lands on a slanted roof below. We're at head injury number three. <laughs> Press on a cross. Will you please take her for an x-ray? <laughs> I'm... I'm... <laughs> All I'm saying is, like, if my kid, like, bumps into another kid at school, like, I get a note from the nurse about possible head injuries. And this bitch gets thrown out a window and everybody's like, it's cool. It's fine. (laughs) And we wonder why she sees dead people. Right? Jesus. Okay. So she falls through the air and and lands on a slanted roof that's, like, a little bit below where she was. It's too far off the ground to jump down. So she slides slowly down the drain pipe, which is probably about to fall off this old ass house, but we're going to go with it. Fine. Yeah. Did she finally escape? She's looking around. She thinks so. And so she forces herself to get moving, but 
Abe and Ned come out of the sky and grab her again. Their faces are melting and bubbling like hot soup. They bring her to the well, and as their parents look on, raise her high above it and say she's going to join Flora. We're back at this well again. See, but they don't know she can do backflips and shit. Right. Just (laughs) wait. (laughs) She yells out, wait, and in a panic, offers to help them. But how? Maybe she can bring Flora back. They insist it can't be done, and she tries to buy time, but they want it done now. Why couldn't they wait? It's only been a hundred years. So she needs a plan, and she remembers the play. Twelve screams. Twelve screams will bring her back. If someone screams, come out, twelve times, Flora will rise out of the well. Kate begins and counts every scream carefully. There must be twelve. No more, no less. But the well is silent. Then, one single splash. Then another. Kate opens her eyes, but doesn't look at the well. The splashes get steadier and steadier. A red cap is the first thing she sees. Then pale hands. Then a wet dress. It's Flora. But she needs help to get out. Kate reaches out, and in her excitement, forgets about the crumbling stones. She keeps on reaching, on her tiptoes, and finally, they grab hands. But clumsy-ass Kate loses her balance and tumbles forward. Who could have seen that coming? (laughs) She climbs out of the well, Samara style. Right? She's like, oh no, it's cool. You need a hand? Everything's cool? Yeah, no, come on. I'll help you out. What's up? And then she's like, just kidding. kidding. Sorry. Bad decisions. It's the head injury. It's it's three head injuries. So Flora's hand slips. And you guessed it. Kate pulls out another gymnastics trick. (laughs) For the third time. Flora is still crying for help. And Kate's in a panic. She wants to help her. The family is watching and demanding she do this. Then a figure appears. Is it another ghost? Is it Paco? Guesses? Oh, it's the teacher. And we got to throw him down the well. Yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good idea. Courtney. Oh, oh, fuck her. Put her in the well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's sacrifice her for the other one. Kate doesn't have time to explain anything to Courtney. She just needs her help to reach Flora. Courtney is, of course, like, WTF, no way. And all Kate can do is hope that for once in her fucking life, Courtney does the right thing. Kate goes for it and leans over as far as she can. But will Courtney help? Courtney grabs Kate's ankles and together they pull Flora out. The family rushes over and after so many years are finally reunited. By this point, good old Mr. P and the other students have come out. Flora hugs Kate and wants to thank Courtney too. But that means letting Courtney 
see her. All of a sudden, Courtney screams, it's a ghost. And the other students look on and laugh. She's the new ghost girl. It's an excellent twist. (laughs) So Kate had finally gotten her revenge and she enjoyed the rest of the weekend and was excited to perform in the play. The bus drops Kate off at home and she can't wait to sleep in her own bed. She opens her door, drops her bags, and she sees something. Mm. Skeleton turkey. Definitely skeleton turkey. I wish. It's Flora. Can we say stalker month? Seriously, Flora. I know. Right. Go home. (laughs) How much attention do you need? (laughs) Nope. Flora has decided that she likes Kate better than her crappy family and is going to stay with her forever. This is a very bad idea. Flora tosses her red hat onto the single bed in the room and turns to Kate and asks, where will you sleep? And that is the end of our story. Oh, this is a terrible story. This is a terrible story of gymnastics and head injuries and immortal frenemies. It's a lesson about wells. Don't go to them. You know, you're 100%. I've learned my lesson. Never will I go and try to help. And if, if there's if there's dead bitches in there, just leave them. <laughs> just, just just move on. Go on with your day. It's gonna be fine. That was good. That was good. Yay. I like it. I don't I guess I didn't realize that they were still writing them. Me either. Yeah, when I saw the time when I saw the, the published date, I was really surprised that it was so recent. Like I'm actually curious if there are even more recent ones, but I'm I was surprised but like you was Now I do I do know up. that they're still doing yeah they're still doing Fear Street and then and oh, I they? know that there's they're making a Fear Street movie. Oh. Cuz some people have been cast in it um that are mm-hmm. fancy pants people but um I didn't do too much research about it cuz it's one of those mm-hmm. things where it's like oh <laughs> I'm so close to this. Yeah. That it will ever be like it's so hard when when you're when you're so so close to something that it's like you, right. you almost don't even want to go there like you don't trust mm-hmm. it um because mm-hmm. it could be really fantastic but there's a pretty good chance that it's not going to be what you want it to be mm-hmm. like with the goosebumps movie that's kind of recent not part 2 but the first yeah goosebumps it had some really good fun parts and I thought Jack Black did a great job, but it still, mm-hmm. it didn't capture the magic of the original TV show for me. So it's. I feel like they didn't go dark enough. Because the original I show. I think they were trying to dark. A- appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think they were trying to appeal to a wider market. Um, totally for the for the mainstream movie and i understand why they made that choice but i think that Mm -hmm. that's why it probably didn't connect with us because it was we were used to a much darker we had goosebumps the show and then we had like are you afraid of the dark and other things that definitely went there and 
if you were like me, it was chicken shit, like definitely scared you. Like, are you afraid of the dark? Some of those scared the shit out of me. Like, I wouldn't go to sleep. I was like, nope, this is it. Staying up forever. Because <laughs> they were really scary. Forever. And, yeah. And like the original on Goosebumps, like, like the Haunted Mask, like that, that was, that was so scary back then. Like the mm-hmm. fact that like, it's stuck on your freaking face. Like that still frightens me. I'm like, nope. <laughs> so it's, you know, they definitely went to a darker, scarier place. And like, like we said, the new one is, was more, a little bit more lighthearted and I get it. You know, they want to appeal to more people, but yeah, it didn't hit the same place for sure. Well, I didn't like scary stories to tell in the dark. The movie. I thought it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was okay. You know, I like Guillermo de, del Toro and I like yes. a lot of things that he's done. Like I, I loved Pan's Labyrinth and I was, re- had very high expectations going yeah. in and I liked it. I wish they could just make a movie that is not going to be a sequel. Right. Because I feel like if it was to be on its own and to like mm-hmm. stand alone, it would have been a lot more successful. Yeah, I think what was cool about that one was the visuals, which were to be expected because it's Gilma and he art directs and does all that. So visually, they captured a lot of the illustrations, I thought, really well. And the illustrations mm-hmm. are what made that book what it was. I mean, yeah, the stories were good, but everybody was creeped out by those illustrations. And no, 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, the big toe sequence, I thought, was probably the most successful. Like, I thought that was really scary. Like, I was, that was, like, creepy. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, in the spider one gets everybody who hates spiders. Like, that's just, like, duh. <laughs> you know, like, we all have that fear right. of, like, a spider crawling in our ear or God knows. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, that's, that's going to get everybody, you know, with the, with that scare. But I think, I think the overarching like the lady who writes the book and all of that jazz. I think I wish that had gotten tossed out and it was just mm-hmm. an anthology because like you said, it doesn't need a sequel. There were so many other good stories they could have done and who knows, who knows they get to do it. We don't, you know, it didn't make that much money. So who knows? But yeah. I mean, like the, like the, was it the yellow ribbon? Is that the one? With the, she yes. Falls I off. always liked that one. Yeah. Yes. That one, that's so scary. Like, and that would have been really cool to see that come to life, like visually. But um, mm-hmm. it's so yeah. They were too worried about like working it into an actual like linear plot line mm-hmm. um, that we lost a lot of those other mm-hmm. stories along yeah. along the way. I think it could have been more if I mean look at Creep Show, like the original Creep Show. I mean mm-hmm. that is so popular and so well received, and that has this huge following. It's like that's a that's an anthology. That's three little baby story, four right. little baby stories. They could have done that. There was no, mm-hmm. there's no cohesion there aside from that one main character of you know who guides the thing along. And they could have very well done that. Had a, built a narrator of sorts, and you know, did anthology. I did. I did like. Um, I thought they did a really good job of like capturing that time in history, mm-hmm. and it was almost like. It almost felt like a Stephen King movie in those scenes um, Mm. because they did a really good job of like getting that edge of that like meanness Mm -hmm. of that 
that point in time and that era yeah. in time. At some yeah, point. I thought I thought the kids were really good. I enjoyed the cast a lot. Like the main girl, like the the main one who has the book. Like she was great. I really mm-hmm. liked her a lot, and I thought she was again. It, it captured a it captured a moment really well, and just yeah. the way that the way the scenery was done and the colors and all of that was very much appreciated by me for mm-hmm. sure so it definitely has a lot of things that have potential I mean I would love to see if there's a director's cut or something else you know behind more stuff they didn't use maybe but I think it has potential it just didn't go it didn't go far enough is really right. what, what it was but I'm glad that we get to talk about it a little bit and you know yeah. where else is a really good place for us to talk about creepy yeah. shit the Snacks with Stein Facebook page. Was that a segue or what? So if you want to come and hang out with us on Facebook, if you want to come and talk about spooky stuff, if you want to talk about your favorite R.L. Stein books from when you were a kid, head on over to Facebook, search for at Snacks with Stein, and you will find our Facebook page. And we will be in there hanging out with you mm-hmm. and chatting with you. Um, and you should go and do that. We could talk about random gymnastics and head injuries. Um, what else? What else do we need to talk about, Danielle? We need reviews. Reviews help us. So come and review us wherever you listen to us, because hopefully we are on the platform in which you listen. So come Mm -hmm. leave a review. If it's not nice, we don't want it. Because if you can't nope. say something nice, don't say it at all. So just leave nice reviews for us. And mm. for our next episode, Christy is going to take us back to good old Fear Street with the snowman. So be excited for that one. I had a lot of fun, but until next time, we are like the trash on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>